Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Jones of all ages, welcome to the main event of the evening. It's Talking Joe with Chief and Steve. Oh, yo! Yo, Joe! Hey, 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 it's the Chief Dog and his new Greek friend, Stefanos. How are you, my friend? Ah, Stefano Zumber. Hey, yes, uh, this is uh, S-Job. Quick turnaround time, S-Job, because what? Chief, did I just talk to you like yesterday? Shh, shh, that's behind the curtains. Um, (laughs) Yes, you did, or day before or whenever. It probably was yesterday for your time, but um, this is going out a week later. Let's uh, maintain the pretense. But actually, no, you get extra editing time. It's luxury land for the S-Jobs. Jeez, don't know what I'm going to do with myself. Maybe I'll put in a whole mm. bunch of like ping pongs and <laughs> <laughs> sound effects and shit. Oh, that's such a tedious exploit, I swear. And it's so like, I don't know. Is it necessary? I don't know. It doesn't tickle my funny bones. Does it tickle yours? Maybe, maybe. Um, sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> it's much more fun to make them live, right? Oh, yeah, for reals. For reals. Chief real Doggy Dog, this is a very uh, unfortunately redundant question, but how the hell are you, dude? <laughs> uh, I am... I'm a bit more upbeat. I feel I was... I listened back to last week's episode. I was a bit flat. A bit... Um, I, don't, I wasn't under the weather or anything. I don't know if it was the stress of work situations or trying to move house and having no one putting offers in our house and we can't find anything. But I, I did feel I was a little bit uh, non-chief-like. But I do actually feel a bit more spring in my step today, which is nice. Well, listen, it was a good contrast, if nothing else. Like, Chief, I listened back as well, and you definitely were the straight man to my zaniness. Uh, so it, it was good. It was good. It was like, oh, I've got nothing to say about these issues. Well, I've got a lot to say about these issues. <laughs> so there. Yeah, yeah. Yes, uh, well, what I tell you what I have been doing, I've been buying more action figures, even though it's only been uh, one day in real time between it. <laughs> I've still managed to purchase more figures. Uh, <laughs> so, th- now this is a question I wanted to ask you. I am absolutely an action figure amateur. I'm straight in at the, the ground floor level. Now, I was speaking to Ben yesterday about Black Series because he's got all these six bounty hunters. And I was struggling to find Dengar. Now a quick shout out to friend of the show, uh, my old co-host on Three Stooges Wrestling, Face Man Dave. He tipped me up to this website called Philips Toys in the UK and he found a Dengar for me for 25 quid. And Dengar, I've been finding him on eBay for like 50 plus. So that was nice. I ordered that yesterday, Dengar. I've now got the IG-88, the Bosk. I bought a Forlom. So now I just need the Boba Fett and a Zuckus, which will be nice. And I went down a rabbit hole of looking at youtube videos of action figure reviews and weekly updates of news and i started hearing all these other you got it bad chief you got it i started hearing all these other all all these other brands i'd never heard of so i'm like okay hasbro i've heard of mattel i've heard of kenner obviously back in the day i've heard of but then people saying marfex and uh sh figure arts and (sighs) amazing yamaguchi and uh necker and i was like whoa all these crazy kind of premium higher higher level brands and i went down that rabbit hole and now i want all those but they are well expensive and don't mesh perfectly well with your established run of black series like the you know the mass release hasbro stuff 
be it Marvel Legends, be it Black Series, Star Wars, be it G.I. Joe Classified, is of a par. You know, all that stuff is of a similar kind of quality and and construction and scaling. Um, The second you start messing with that, I don't know, it, it, it fires up my OCD. Big time. Okay. Well, yeah. some of the I've got, I'm looking at the Deathlock uh, Marvel Legends and the Doom Marvel Legends in the cabinet next to some of the Star Wars ones, and they skew a little bit bigger. But I don't mind it in those particular figures because Doctor Doom is in his armor. Deathlock is like a cyborg kind of pump jacked up dude, so I don't mind them being skewing a little bit larger. But it's when I guess you've got a you know a an, a, a Captain America next to a Spider Man and the heights are way off then that's not ideal but it depends what you're doing if you're doing you know posing and toy photography and your clever use of angles the height won't matter too much i guess but uh, one thing i did want to point out ones that i'm on the lookout for just so that if any of the listeners out there (laughs) uk based can find any good ones i'm looking for the storm street fighter figures uh, at a reasonable rate uh i'm looking for the um i think it's a figma samus aaron metroid figure and I'm looking for a Link from Zelda. Uh, I don't know who makes that, actually. Or the good I'm one. I'm sure a and bunch of different... Like Revel Tech, I'm sure there's a Link. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nintendo and probably make their own, but they're probably shite. Yes, yeah. And there was a, there's a Kratos, a NECA Kratos I'm looking for from God of War. Not that I'm a God of War fan, I just really like the figure. So I'm the kind of guy who will just buy stuff based on a cosmetic appearance so if something looks cool even if i know nothing about it i'm probably going to buy it uh there you go but i'll tell you one thing i did want to mention yeah i, I, well, I say one thing i've mentioned quite a lot <laughs> the last thing i want to mention on on action figures is i bought the black series hoth trooper now black series i'm coming to realize the legends and the marvel legends and the classified even though they're like 20 quid which to me seems expensive that's kind of like the budget end of the range almost in the six-figure line and some of them are, are fantastic well the majority of them are actually fantastic especially this hoth trooper rebel hoth trooper comes with loads of accessories loads of deco is brilliant and he has a zartan face in his backpack so <laughs> comes with a regular face you can pop his cap off pop the face off open up the backpack it's got the little clasp to open there's the bearded zartan face pop it back on and uh, yeah you've got two figures you can army build those uh, to your heart's content and the middle mode is of course the guy from the last starfighter with no face <laughs> yeah yeah right yeah <laughs> no. chief i'll say uh, this much about action figure collecting relative to other pursuits other hobby pursuits and i'm going to get into a bit of hot water about it but uh i think i can i can take ownership of this smugness yeah you know whether you were a film collector or comic book collector or music collector history has shown that uh, all your pursuits are now ephemeral like all of that stuff. Okay, I know, I know, holding the actual book is always going to be preferable to reading it on a tablet. But like, there is no digital substitute for the plastic. No. no. So. You can't do it. You just can't do it. I've, I fully appreciate why you want to go down this rabbit hole, man. You've now got a Hoth or an Echo Base layer to have that tangible link to. I'd just as soon kiss a Wookiee. Or would it help if I got out and pushed? Or indeed, (laughs) when she kisses her brother. You've got that. You've got that immortalized in plastic. Amen. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to cut back to one thing you did mention. 
I made a decision last night to do a, a drastic purge of a, a large percentage of my comics. Uh, I was reading Daredevil Born Again on my tablet through... Um, what was it? I've got it on uh, Comixology, I think I've got it on, or something. Anyway, anyway, but it's got the guided view where it kind of, you swipe and it goes panel to panel. Very oh, nice. dynamic, and it's made me realise that I think I prefer digital reading of comics <gasps> now. So, oh, uh, only in the panel to panel guided view. Um, you know, if if it's just full page, then I'm probably going to stick with physical. So I'm gonna, I've got loads of trades and and books, and if they are stuff I can get digital, I'm going to offload them all and and switch to digital. Okay, okay. I'm I'm such a comic noob, so please humor me. But yes. in a digital reproduction of something like Born Again, yes. Do they have the color? Is it digitally recolored? And if so, is it washed out to replicate, you know, the newspaper print of the original pages? Well, or is it like really vibrant and like are the colors dialed up to eleven? Because they actually did a one-to-one match. Yeah, sometimes it does go the the negative end of the spectrum there in terms of yes, the colors it the recolored, but to a detriment to the work in terms of it's nothing close to the original material, too bright, too vibrant, and to a new reader to that material, it might be fine. But if you've read the original source material, and I've got all those Daredevil issues, and you know it's got that crazy, crappy newsprint paper and the the colors have just washed out and be they're pastely and you can almost see through the the page and mm, there's something to so be said nice. for that the smell definitely i love the smell of those old comic books but in some instances the the recoloring is an improvement and in some cases it's not so it is a little bit hit and miss so chief i've yeah, i've we'll kind see. of tracked down maybe one of the problems with this gi joe reread and that's Classic Joe always had the association of like being so covered to cover red that the covers were falling off. Yeah. And that tactile sensation and the the old style of, you know, comic book production and printing. Like SL Gallant's pages are gorgeous. They're incredible. But they don't scream Joe to me. Not by virtue of a failing of the artist, because we all know he nails the characters, the looks, the weapons, the vehicles. He's got it in the bag. But just because G.I. Joe was very much a thing of its time. And reading the old books, like Herb Trimpey's work, Fosberg, Wiggum, like all, all those guys, just, you can't get away from the association that the newspaper print and the you know, the, the, the washed out colors have just, just the authenticity of it. That yeah, feels like yeah. G.I. Joe to me. It's tricky, man. Everything else is like a pretender or a faker, you know? Yeah. I think probably the 10 year or however long it was between the gap between, uh, Rin American hero stopping and restarting didn't help it. You know, people kind of lost touch and forgot what the book was all about even from well, a- comic books changed so radically yeah. in those 10 years anyway probably for the better but i guess in my mind and hopefully a couple of other people listening to this there ain't no school like the old school <laughs> that's it that's it yeah yeah, yeah. we need yeah. to pick up our, our blood sugar levels chief we need a, Damn we need a kick 
it's time for Snack Police. Potato chips, crisps, biscuits and candy, washing them down with a whiskey or a brandy, chewy sweets, cookies, built and jerky, snacks running fear because we got them at our mercy. We're snackers, attackers, bad mother truckers and we're eating all the crackers, munchers, crunchers, knock out snacks like we're heavyweight punchers. The snack police are in there, his house. So I think I went first last week. Uh, what you got for me this week? I'm pretty sure I've had this before, so I have cheated. But I can't Whoa, remember. Oh, calling the chief out on that a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> oh, indeed. But chief, uh, yeah, it's called Chokito. It's by Nestle. I think it's an Aussie thing. Um, it's certainly not available in South Africa. And I'm pretty sure there's probably a local analog to it. And I'm pretty sure there's probably one in, in the UK as well. Yeah, you, but, I was uh, looking at the picture you sent me, but um, I'm not familiar with the name at all. Right, okay, so... I'm just going to read the bottom bit. Chewy caramel fudge, crunchy balls, <laughs> and, <laughs> and and loads of chocola. I hadn't scrolled the uh, the picture all the way. Chocolate. Chocola. <laughs> what, what a dick. Uh, well, thanks for, for that, Chief. I was going to attempt it myself, but uh, you obliged me. I'm going to peel the wrapper of this. It's, it's a beautiful wrapper. Like, it's uh, like yellowish gold lettering on a black wrapper. That's that's quite quite classy for your yeah, you know, bottom-of-the-range kind of Nestle chocolate bar. Anyway. Mm. I'm trying to think what the approximation would be for the UK here. It's got a really dimply outer appearance because it's like got... Um, like Rice Krispies. Ah, I'm going to say this might be a... Oh, what the bastard is that bar called? Um, I don't know. Carry on while I think. Mm, it's like nothing I've had back at home. It's, it's definitely its own thing. Yeah. What is it? Chewy... Um, oh, God. I've, I've torn the label. Toffee ah. crisp. Might be a toffee crisp. Chewy caramel fudge. Mm, okay. I'm getting the caramel. Yeah, it's nice. Crunchy balls, so it's like, it's like Cocoa Puffs. Mm. Okay. That's what they mean by chewy, uh, crunchy balls. <laughs> Cocoa mm. Puffs, yeah. I'm, I'm Crunch looking on at my chocolate balls. I'm looking at Toffee Crisps. If you Google Toffee Crisps, that's a Nestle bar in the UK, but that's more like uh, Rice Krispies. I don't know what they're called. Yeah. There you are. Yeah, yeah. Um, in Oz, Rice Krispies are, I think they're called Rice Bubbles. Right, okay. Weirdos. <laughs> what you got chief uh so uh, you thought i had something i'm going to save that for next week but uh, i've actually got something else i sent you a picture saying i've got <gasps> these and they look quite tasty but i've actually got this because i just went shopping prior to the show uh to get washing up liquid and i saw these on the shelf one pound 25 reduced to 84p and it is Sainsbury's Taste the Difference. So they've got, you know, as every supermarket does, they've got the, the normal stuff on their own brand line. Then they've got their value brand, which is the, the kind of no frills. And then they have their upper premium brand. And this is the Sainsbury's, the Taste the Difference line. And it is four chewy granola slices. Let's uh, open up the bag. They're a good size. Don't have my ruler to hand, but I'm going to guess that's about... It's about three inches square. Uh, well, no, I don't know why I'm saying inches. What's that, about seven centimetres? Let's have a go. Whatever you say, Chief. Okay. That's good. Oh, it's got oats. I can see a cranberry there. 
I can see a pumpkin seed. There's a raisin. Value. Yeah. Problem I've got now is, how do I avoid eating all four? <laughs> all that oh, for 84p. Oh, big, big news in the Talking Joe studio. Big news. Chief has managed to have two coffees in the loft today. Zero spills. And the crowd goes bananas. Yeah, you know it. Yeah. So, so we're, all, we're all looking good. Everything's coming up, Chief. <laughs> now it's time to talk about these damn comic books. Let's oh. do it. <laughs> it's comic talk. It's comic talk, baby. Chief and Steve discussing like crazy. Larry Harmer riding these bad boys, making sense of the wackiest toys. Listen as we talk about story arcs, making noise louder than junkyard box. Talking about character motivations and all the various G.I. Joe fun locations. Chief, I'm going to endeavour to only say positive things in this podcast. Alright, so this is down to Chief now then. Um, we are covering the Cobra World Order Prelude and Issue 219. Covers, I've got the... Is this a Paul Pope cover? I'm not actually sure. Because it doesn't tell me on the inside who the cover artist is. And on my inside cover, I've just got the, the Cobra logo with the Cobra World Order and then a bit of blurb. So what is the uh, cover that you have? Describe it for me, Chief. I've got Snake Eyes outside a... Is, is, is it a crashed... It doesn't look like a hiss. What is it? I don't know. Oh, it is a hiss. It is a hiss, but a later variation. I think that's Seven, eight, called eight. The, the Hiss 5. Okay. Yeah, modern hiss. It actually kind of raises itself up. It's got like a spring-loaded feature to kind of make the cockpit rise above the treads. Okay. Pretty far art design. Yeah. So this is that. Yeah, that is Paul Pope on cover, and he's kind of a. He was a bit of an indie artist. Did a few books, did a Batman One Hundred and some other stuff. But he's an indie style, very stylized art. But I, I like that cover. Even though it's broken down, I'd say he nailed the new hiss. It's got a very distinctive kind of front shape. Almost looks like a Batmobile tank. Yeah. Um, that front sort of, what would you call it, mandible almost. Yeah. Very yeah. angular, nice. I, I hope he had the toy to hand. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? And it's got a turret that ha- that sort of mounts two distinct weapons. The one is a chain gun with an okay. ammo feed coming off of it, as he's depicted. And the other, I think, would have been a spring-fired missile launcher. But he's tastefully kind of downsized that. The treads okay. are also very nicely done. On the toy, in the initial release, the treads were actually, like, practical. They had a rubber strap, and you could kind of roll it along the tiles. Didn't work too well on all oh, surfaces, right. but uh, nice touch. I do appreciate when a tank actually has practical-looking tank treads that aren't motorized, you know, so you can actually still push it around a bit. I like all these covers, hmm. Chief. I'm not going to lie. I ha- I have them all digi in front of me, and they're all pretty cool. That's the one on my book. And then the only other one I'm aware of is, is it the first part of a three-part Phil Jimenez interconnected cover? Yes, that is damn cool it looks like movie posters yes. and it's fully colored the one on this issue has um scarlet facing off against serpentor but a whole bunch of other kind of motifs and, and a sort of montage behind that there's a very cool detail in the bottom right where a hydro viper is like choking out deep six while torpedo and a bunch of other divers are descending on to to assist yeah, I was going to say, is this is this time for a name the Joe segment, or maybe not? I don't know. <laughs> well, if you've got if you've got the book to hand, 
Uh, I can actually name all of these guys, so, you know, there's no real challenge in it, I'm afraid, Chief. Okay, But okay. Uh, the cool right. thing about the other covers is they all have a red and black motif to them. Like, there's there's a nice thread of red and black, and those are undeniably, like, stepping outside of the Cobra Blue, those were, like, the early Cobra palette. Unfortunately, Destro yes. then, then stole those those colors kind of greedily. But uh, Cobra used a lot of black and red back in the day. It's nice to see a return to form. Yeah, but we see a lot of guys on here. I'm seeing Slice and Dice on this on this cover. Serpentor's back. Um, the Crimson Twins. Xandar's even there. Although I've only got the big, the big interconnected cover itself, okay. the image of it. So I don't know where one cover ends and the next one begins. Right. Well. So I've got Ricondo jumping into the fray. Is he on the, the next one? Ah, uh, yes. He's okay. on the next one, or the we yeah, yeah. It would be the sort of the would it be the one to the to the left of this? Anyway, it's yeah, the same making great radio. One. But um, I've just <laughs> yes. noticed that there's a cobra bug in the underwater sequence. I love me an underwater sequence, and oh, if nice, you use all nice. the toys, you are my best friend. Mm, well done, cover artist. That's Phil Jimenez on those ones, and then looking at the next issue, issue two one nine, I've got the cover by uh, Francesco Francavelia. And nice. this is the the Joe team on the front with the the flag behind them. Pretty cool cover. Yeah, yeah. Kind of understated. Nice color palette. His weapon uses seem very like old school. I mean, is that a what a Bren machine gun that Duke has? Sort of top loading gun, and yeah. then Stalker's got a what is it? A grease gun? Uh, no, yeah. the Sten. The Sten, Sten machine. Yeah, yeah Sten. very good. You gonna back me up on that, Chief? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm with you there. <laughs> Gun porn, but anyways, like it's it's interesting. It looks like Joe's out of time. Yeah, and then there's also in the inset, I've actually got the uh, Snake Eyes carded toy card art cover, and they use the actual Hector Greedo card art for that. Like in previous, cool. we've seen this been done in, on previous covers, but they've used original art. And not to be a slight on the artists producing original work, but, like, it's a case of ain't broke, don't fix it. The original card art is iconic. It is incredible. It is the best. So, you know, if you're going to give me a toy card cover, reproduce the toy. (laughs) Just don't don't change a thing. Yep, yep. All right, let's uh, dig into the insides. But before we look at the insides, we need last time on A Real American Hero. Quartered in top-secret armoured underground bunkers deep beneath a secret base in the Utah desert is America's elite counter-terrorist strike force, codenamed G.I. Joe. The most fearsome rapid deployment team of all stands ready to fight anywhere, anytime, anyway. Clearly that is not a last time on American, Real American Hero. <laughs> um, and this issue, as we'll find out, is very much a what has happened in the IDW run so far recap. Yep, very much the comic book equivalent of a clip show, kind yes. of. Or, or not really. I mean, we're not seeing any kind of reproduced material, but there isn't really much going on. No no, no real events. It's a kind of a, what they call an as-you-know scene, where it's really just for the audience's benefit. This serves yeah. as a jumping-on point. Yeah. You've got, uh, what's her name, Wendy Ling Torres inserted yes. as a, she's an analog for us the reader and duke is our tour guide bringing us up to speed on everything that's happened so far yeah yeah. Mm. and the through line is 
she's there with a Fred series uh, or a Crimson Guard Fred series and the, the Joes find out or know that he's Fred and then they kind of string him along and then they implant some information into Fred they give it to Fred to see what he's going to do with it that's the kind of the running theme which feels a little bit flimsy or um, very unsecure if nothing else sure and just spinning out from that chief I mean isn't it isn't it a bit of a stretch to expect us to believe that Joe's wouldn't recognize a Fred series Crimson Guardsman outright like before he even boarded the plane Correct, yes. They would know that if, if so's top secret, this base, which we've just been told, then if Wendy Ling Torres is coming, they've done background checks on her, but if she says, I'm bringing my aide, Fred, with me, then they're going <laughs> to do background... Fred. They, they're they're going to do background checks on him as well, and, you know, they're going to know well ahead of time, but that doesn't... In, and I was thinking that doesn't make it such a good... You know, such an interesting story, but it does, you know, maybe it does that they're... They're ahead of time. Oh, look, you know, this is a Fred coming. Let's let's tell him what we want to tell him and not what we don't. I'd say you were right about that, except they make the realisation when he actually arrives at the base, when they actually yeah. lay eyes on, on him physically, you know, in person. So Joe really is scrambling to mop up a mess that could have very easily gotten out of hand. You know, you've let the enemy into your... Secret base. I have got to say one thing front and centre here. Launch ramp. <laughs> Once again, man, it's it's mystifying. Does the jet just plop off that ramp and it's airborne? That's not <laughs> how a jet works. But anyways, I said I'd be glowing with positivity and SL Galant is back and great as ever. That Phantom yes. X-19 looks incredible. And I think we've had a little bit of a, a flip reverse here as well, whereas, you know, last week... I was the, the flat straight man. You were you were the the one dishing out all the goods. Here, I, I didn't still actually give it mind a five these. out of ten. I, yes, yeah, we still went five out of ten. Um, I didn't actually mind these two uh, issues. I thought this was almost a return to form. And I don't know if that's just because, and this is no disrespect to the previous artists who did the last three fill-in issues, but like you said, having Gallant back on art brings me a bit more joy to the book. Well, he seemed to be having a good time too. Perhaps to the detriment of some of the characters um, acting like themselves. There's a moment, uh, maybe you can guess it, where I feel like Duke is not Duke. Where he does the face. (laughs) He does the face. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He, He suddenly snaps into this extremely broad grin with wide open eyes. And he says, just kidding, ma'am. A bad example of humour, I'm afraid. Like, what? That's not the Duke I know. No. Like, Duke is an absolute hard case. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. But I'll well, t- tell you, one, one bit, he's, the three, I think the three issues off have, have almost reinvigorated him. Not that he was flagging, but again, his attention to detail and the number of panels he's putting in there, just, you know, even... He's got the the mauler there, and the vamp is top notch. And I love the bit where they're running down the chaplain's assistant school motor pool, and the second panel down, you see a vamp with clutch, stealer, and cover girl, and she's having a sitting on the side, having a cup of tea or coffee, and they're changing the engine block. Just that panel, I just love the composition. It's so simple, but just having a tea or coffee and not a cigarette. <laughs> yeah, 
but just just there's so much going on in that panel it's just i just i don't know it's a simple one but really really effective and was he churning out two pages a day at this stage i mean when we spoke to the man he led us to believe that like it's incredible that he puts in that much work but uh what did he call it uh autistic masturbation that's it yeah yeah (laughs) Um, you notice that the Joes don't even know the reason why Crimson Guardsmen have the same faces. Yeah. Like, yeah, that, that's that. still a mystery even to G.I. Joe intel. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. But I was thinking here, obviously, the Joes had kind of planned to give some information to Miss Torres, but they're talking about... Arashikage clans and they're mentioning Storm Shadow and Snake Eyes as if she would have clue number one who Storm Shadow was or what an Arashikage was. <laughs> Once again, this is clearly an issue that is directed at us or or readers who have dropped out for a while. I mean, Death of Snake Eyes into this Cobra World Order new title. Uh, I mean, I hate talking about comic book sales and and marketing ploys, but it does reek of an attempt to draw readers back into the fold, doesn't it, Chief? It does, yeah, most definitely, most definitely. Big time. So this is definitely, I say again, just a kind of a as-you-know scene or, or story where we're kind of just situating everyone back into the world of G.I. Joe and the characters and the major factions. Mm. Yeah, yeah. About the Arashikage, I have to yeah, give two shout-outs. Mark van Leeuwen and Michael Woodworth really saved our bacon, dude. You know when what? I spoke in last episode about uh, that scene between Zartan and Tommy about the blade that had some significance in an earlier encounter on top of uh, a Manhattan yes. building? yes. Turns out that scene played out in the Storm Shadow series of comic books. Ah, yeah, I've just, se- I've just seen that post in the on the Facebook group. Yes, so that incorporates a story from a different title altogether. I yes. think that's kind of problematic. I mean, I know it's Larry Harmer writing that, and we can't expect the man to be filing his own kind of backstory, like this happened in that book and this happened in the other book. But like, for those of us who are just reading one title, a reference like that falls completely flat, as it did for both of us. I mean, Chief, you've read the Storm Shadow books. I've got got them, yeah. They're they're hard bound into my... Um, the first custom bound of the my IDW stuff, and well, then and what's your gonna, excuse, man? I'm actually I'm actually going <laughs> to flick forward to the letters page in issue two one nine, where someone writes in saying, "I really enjoyed the Arashikage storylines. I want to see more of Pale Peony before she died. I was interested in a complex Arashikage destiny, as Storm Shadow mentioned. Who is the ninja that Storm Shadow is mentoring in one five seven? And is it the same man with the Rashikage tattoo in Trieste that helped Pale Peony and Jinx in 196 to 198? Uh, he says, will IDW reprint the Storm Shadow series? And Larry replies, the mysterious ninja in Trieste will figure in future storylines, because this guy's just reminded him about him, I guess. <laughs> but he's not the same man from 157. I don't know what plans there are for reprinting Storm Shadow books. I have tried to make their continuity relevant to the existing storyline. All right. Well, so yeah. You Demon Granny, Pale Peony, uh, this encounter with Zartan on top of the building. Yeah. Interesting stuff. Yes, oh, yes. Chief, you notice that um, when we cut to the dojo in San Francisco, what are all the Joes doing? Um, Cleaning the damn floor. 
That floor, those mats, <laughs> that dojo must be the cleanest place. Every time we see Budo, he's cleaning. Every time we see the rest of the team. Who's the guy Who's the guy in the middle with the big uh, round uh, cleaner? Well, possibly long range with the moustache. Okay. Muskrat, bless. He's also, he's always wearing his boonie hat. Yes. <laughs> uh, and uh, I assume the man on the, the, the stepladder must then be Torpedo. And is that uh, Alpine on the left? The one and only. Yep. Handling that broom like he handles his pickaxe. Like a champ. What a guy. Born to mop. (laughs) Also interesting when Duke is giving this recap on Cobra and he's almost giving Cobra Commanders, you know, origin story. Well, he does give his origin story, really. Big time. And then when you see Cobra Commander uh, rally through the streets with these hiss tanks... It's only goddamn Dr. Mindbender next to him again. You know, we mentioned last episode that Mindbender was his second-in-command and the only member of the hierarchy left. But at this time, when Cobra was up through the ranks, was Mindbender A around and would also not maybe Destro have been there or Baroness or someone else? Storm Shadow? Yeah, Pearl, you're absolutely right. In those early days of Springfield, where I think this kind of rally would be taking place with all the his tanks... Yeah, Mindbender wasn't in the picture. <laughs> I don't think he have, had settled on his code name just yet. Dr. No. Brainwave. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it probably would have been either Dr. Venom or Destro, or both. The sort of the yes. early leadership of Cobra, maybe with uh, uh, Major Blood scheming away in the corner there. Yeah. It also seems strange that on the next, I think it's the next page or one after, uh, mainframes discussing the Cobra troops and... He he kind of mentions um, worms, secto vipers, and sea slugs, but that those seem to you know there's a lot more speciality troopers and vehicles that those drive than that. So I don't know why those were s- singled out. Ha oh, man, who knows? Yeah, no, it, it's just interesting. It's a mystery. But then again, like we could literally basically do a reprint of like an order of battle if mainframe was to list all the cobra specialists and hardware yeah, i think it's yes. a good it's a healthy overview um yeah. of kind of specialist vipers bit of a head scratcher in frag viper maybe galant just had a, a, a an affinity for that particular design or, or yeah. probably it might have come from Homer, but like you know there are less obscure vipers and there are more obscure vipers i'd say frag vipers kind of on the fringes i think there's a range viper on that interconnected uh, Phil Jimenez cover. You're absolutely right, Chief. Yes. What a nice touch. He's there yes. with uh, Crystal Ball in the one corner. Yeah, yeah, and Crystal Ball shows up, and in not necessarily in this issue, in the next one, but Xandar does show up in this issue, strangely, after us talking about him last week. Hey, hey, was that in the waters or what, Chief? <laughs> he is in every issue. Speak his name and he shall reveal himself to you. <laughs> it's fascinating. Yeah, Xandar, he's back, baby. Yeah. Yep. Anything um, else of note to 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 mention about this? I don't. I don't think so. Uh, you know, they they've supplanted this in Fred's head that they've got this killer super weapon that can target <laughs> anyone at any time. What don't they? I mean, now they need a kind of a presidential order to to fire it up. But like, they do basically have this this laser death weapon from the sky. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Have you noticed that? extreme ramp that the c-130 goes up to fly off it's pretty steep wow 
Once again, whatever technology they used to spit out the X-19, they must be using on that big old bird because <laughs> holy crap. And that is a wide, you know, I'm, I'm sure the wings are not going to fit through that door, but anyway. <laughs> Once again, like, it would be a real chore to get an artist to actually somehow effectively chronicle how this all works, but yes. uh, maybe you just got to leave it to our imagination. This issue in the print I've got actually has a interview with Larry and Shannon in the back. Yeah, got that myself. Didn't bother okay. to read it, I'm afraid. No. I feel like we've got a, a great dose of, of Shannon already. Uh, we yeah. just need to get uh, the main man, Mr. Harmer, on the show. That's it. Uh, right, Did you notice yeah. on the letters page there's a guy called Chief? Uh, no, I didn't. Where's that? No relation, of course. <laughs> there's only one. <laughs> Special Agent Johnson. Special Agent Johnson. <laughs> no relation. No relation. <laughs> Love that scene. Oh, oh Homework. Sorry, it's back. It's back, homework for the chief. Oh, chief, Larry has totally been reading his own file cards. Because for two issues in a row, we've had reference to the fact that Zartan is increasingly losing touch with his own personality. Right, yes. And that is something that I remember in the Steve Talks Toys, I'm probably the only one who remembers it, I made light of the fact that it's a detail in the file card that really did not factor into Zartan's portrayal. Yes, like no, he always I seemed that. like a very ultra competent, like subordinate, like a guy who could clearly handle a lot more responsibility than he was given. Like he could be leading troops in the field. He's that kind of together and with it. He's not just kind of running the, the dreadnoughts, and that's that's the extent of it. Like he he is a capable military mind, but. There is a problem with this guy's, you know, psyche. And and we never got that. We only got the competent military leader until now. Now he's kind of struggling with the, the fact that he's imprinted himself into the blind master. And that yeah. is a warring persona. And now Duke uh, makes mention of it as well. It, it's it's fascinating to me. that Or is it Psychart? Yeah, I think Psychart... Well, it would make sense that Psychart would give a psychological profile. But... Yeah, You know, it's fascinating to me that these details are coming out now. And I think it's because Larry's reading his own stuff again. <laughs> There's another example of that that'll come later. But uh, we can continue on to 219 if you want to. Moving on to 219. This is the start proper of the storyline. I guess the other one labelled as a prelude. Not really at all, I don't think. It was just a, a standalone jumping on point rather than a prelude. But anyway, we're into the main storyline here. We don't get much out of it in terms of what is Cobra going to do to form this new world order. But I actually didn't mind this issue too much. I thought it was okay. Hey, 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 Chief's upbeat. That means <laughs> Steve's going to drop the ball. Oh, brother, we open with bloody revanche. And we've yeah. seen this play out before. But I'm going to put on a positive spin. Hey. Okay. It's nice to see Hawk in the field again, kicking ass and taking names. I yeah, mean, these action scenes are, are, are very well depicted. Yeah, true. Though, what do you think? What goes through your head as this master tactician, like commander-in-chief of the ultra-hush-hush G.I. Joe task yep. force, yep. when you stroll brazenly into revanche robotics? Hey? Hey? Yeah. And and that Surely echoes that kind of backs up I thought when he's the other guy says slam it hawk and he says this clearly calls for and I thought the next panel was going to say backup but he actually <laughs> says defenestration which is you know I don't think that's a, a direct opposite of backup but um he clearly did not need backup because he's just going to kick her through a window. 
Hey, what you talking about, chief? That's just another Larry Homerism. <laughs> Defenestration. Oh, my word. Chief, I was the eight-year-old kid sitting with a dictionary yes. alongside my G.I. Joe comic book. Like, I, this man taught me so many words. I think I speak or try to speak highfalutin because of Larry. Because okay. he inserted this stuff into my toy adventure. Yes. Now, there was a character in a book called DC book called Hitman, which was um, written by Garth Ennis, penciled by John McCrea. And there was a character in it called the Defenestrator, who used to carry around a window with him so that he could uh, put people through it. That is so funny. Oh, now, geez. I don't know which and came so first. so pretentious. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, but fortunately, defenestration or fenestration is something that I didn't so much need a dictionary for because... Its origin is in Dutch. Ah. Uh, fenster is a window. And, of course, Afrikaans imported that. And, you know, from a young age, I was, I was being instructed in Afrikaans. And so, yeah, just like Volker Kukukland, um, that, <laughs> yes. that's something that I, I managed to pick up on as a, okay. a lighty. That's yeah, a child yeah. in South African lingo. We're already at colloquialisms. <laughs> <laughs> um, stepping away, away from Hawk who clearly, that's the other thing, he clearly would have been expecting some kind of physical confrontation, so it seems strange that there wasn't backup. This There could have been a hundred of these revanche cybernetic creature things in there, so he was playing it a little bit uh, loose and carefree. But anyway, back to or, or into the New Jersey Pine Barrens, and we get the return of some old characters that we haven't seen for a long time, and it's kind of nice to see these guys. Is it, Chief? Oh, or is not it for just you. Total tokenism. Hey, uh, like I liked it. You liked it just yeah. just because. Well, Shannon is once again on art chores, and he's doing a fantastic job. Even reproducing cesspools, very hard to find um, oxygen device or canister or rebreather on the right. front of his helmet. Yeah, that was a separate piece. Oh, Great really? job on that one, Hasbro. I'll never complete my cesspool action figure now. Yeah. <laughs> um, so all these characters are lovingly reproduced and they all get a little bit of page time and a little bit of dialogue. But just like having Copperhead and Scrap Iron tag along with Firefly, yes, I feel like it's really just fan service-y. I know I'm being an absolute spoiled brat. I should be happy to see all the down and outs, all the underutilized characters meeting up like this. But when people ask, when people request from Larry, they're like, oh, Big Bo is my favorite character. Can we see him in a comic book? What they're really asking is, find a Big Bo story to tell. Yeah. Not just put him on the page like a name drop and a little bit of page time. Like, that's that's what I mean by tokenism. It's like, there, he's made an appearance. Now all the Big Bo fanboys can be happy. Yeah, and Larry no. Hummer even pokes fun at that himself in the script. It's, he says, it's not like either of us have been overwhelmed with work lately. <laughs> yeah, true. So. Oh, I think I've just noticed a little bit of an interesting um, art flub. Now, Big Bo's view slit is really just a slit. But right. Shannon's depicted it when um, Slice has a knife to yeah, Big yeah. Bo's neck. It looks kind of Boba Fettish. It's got it does, that yeah. T. Is is the assumption then that it's got a, a similar eye slit on the other side? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. 
Well, It'd be an interesting design for a helmet. Yeah, yeah it's definitely. not accurate to the toy, but it's it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Nice close-up of cesspool on the next page with this scarred face. It looks quite cool. And these guys are all clubbing together because they they've got wind. They've got the the sniff that Cobra Commander's up to something, and uh, they want in. They want to reap the financial benefits of this. I tell you what is yeah. nice when we go to Mexico City. It's nice to see kind of just ordinary law enforcement or, or or not ordinary but just um unnamed troops actually being able to throw down and not need not needing to be rescued all the time because they bust in on this factory warehouse place and they've got these armor piercing rounds and they, they managed to take out a load of blue ninjas rather than seeing guys that just need to be bailed out by the joe team all the time these these local guys are you know holding their own and able to throw down no no pun intended Though it's Hawk leading the charge, isn't it? It is Hawk leading the charge, yeah. yeah. Maybe it's the <laughs> command that, that does all the, uh, the, the, the heavy lifting then. Yeah, man. But are you, are you happy with these kind of like throwaway scenes of like revanche facilities being raided again? Uh, yeah, I, I thought we were over that. But in the same way that the, the big eyeball under the pit had been buried, never to be seen again. You know, I thought that... No, I'm not saying that our revanche is out of the picture for good because they were still kind of in the storyline, but I didn't think they would necessarily play as big a part across this storyline. Maybe they won't, I don't know, because I can't remember reading these or these are maybe new to me, but um, I don't really mind these these odd pages of revanche stuff, to be honest. Well, hey, at least you get one cool uh, setup and payoff in the, in the scripting Yeah, when the leader sort of taps himself on the chest and says... Armor plate. And Hawk says, <laughs> armor piercing. Blam! <laughs> Excellent. Yes, yes. Sean, what, uh, Snake Eyes Mark II, whatever we call him, um, he's got some ninja stuff to do. Yeah, Scarlet puts a very fine point on what is exactly racing around in all our heads. She's like, you know, for all intents and purposes, you are Snake Eyes. You've mastered everything the army had to teach the original. <laughs> You've acquired all the qualifications, finished all the same courses, attended the same schools. Storm Shadow even had the foresight to spirit you away to Japan for a series of masterclasses in the Arashikage <laughs> occult martial arts. Too much. So once again, it's like definitely for our benefit. It's like, yes, he knows everything that Snake Eyes knows. He's mastered everything that Snake Eyes has mastered. Yes. And I wonder, we'll find out as we read these issues. You've read these before though, have you? Um, how far have you read up to number-wise? This is very close to my okay. jump-off point. Wow, we're almost in uncharted territory. I'm wondering if there'll come a point where they will stop even using the name Sean and he'll just be name-referenced as Snake Eyes. So if you stumbled onto this book, having read the originals mm. and then missed out that death of, didn't know of it, came onto the book, you would be absolutely none the wiser that this wasn't the original Snake Eyes. I wonder if that's that's where they're going Yes, but you'd catch a very narrow window before we have the introduction of uh, a very controversial character. Okay, female character. I assume you're referring to Dawn. Mm. Okay, which I know almost nothing about. Yeah, Miles Morales, this shit. Okay, well. Have you ever seen a elevator? And I assume you've been in a few elevators in your day. Yeah, I've not diehard in my way out of it, but. Have, have, Have you ever even seen a hatch above your head? Negative. I mean, I assume you'd have to remove some of the panelling from the elevator to get at the hatch, assuming there is one. 
But I don't know, man. I'm skeptical. Like, all of the elevators typically have lighting above the heads. Correct. So, how do you get past the lighting and the the translucent plastic? I don't know. I don't know. But, hey, Hollywood, right? Hollywood tells us that you can always climb into the the ceiling (laughs) of any elevator and ride it. Yep. Die Hard style. Uh, so Snake Eyes is off there performing his last uh, ritual or ceremony, or whatever he's got to do to to now be Snake Eyes in everything but um, well, but nothing, but but DNA, <laughs> I guess. Uh, and then over in the Silent Castle, we see the big CC enjoying. He has got a massive um, pool, hasn't he? A massive jacuzzi. I've always wondered about the size of the the Silent Castle. In twenty one, it seemed quite. It seemed like a fort, like a fortification, like quite tight, like almost claustrophobic. But, but this, these interior sequences make it look like a palace. Yeah, man. Yeah. Like the yeah. scaling of it has increased somewhat. Maybe that's partly due to the TARDIS that comes out the floor. What? <laughs> well, they do say it's bigger on the inside. That's it. Oh, my word. It does look like a TARDIS. I wrote there in big caps in my notes. T-A-R-D-I-S. <laughs> and out steps Destro. That's it. <laughs> and the Baroness. With a toaster. With a toaster. <laughs> Chief, you know, you are Cobra Commander, right? And you know that, and Destro has demonstrated in the past, that he has been responsible so chiefly for your the construction of all your facilities that he can blow up your most prized porcelain throne from, you know, another time zone. Do you not immediately go around, like, rooting out all the security? Like, (laughs) Cobra Commander should be a super, super cautious guy. Yes. And yet here he is. He's been caught literally with his pants, (laughs) (laughs) pants down, pants off, pants nowhere in in sight, okay? Um, (laughs) Also, also, we've seen him running around in in his mufti, in his... And his beret and his moustache and his sunglasses kind of outside. So why wouldn't he just wear that same stuff in the castle? In the castle, he feels the need to wear the hood. Oh, yeah, he even sleeps in the hood. I think it's <laughs> like, you know, it's like Rorschach. Yes. I want my face! <laughs> oh, that was quite a good impression, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, man, I'll do the radio play of that too. But he's scared of the Baroness dropping in the toaster into the pool... Uh, unless he lets these guys and Destro was very keen to get out of Cobra and any association with Cobra Commander and yet he's straight back in once you've had the big CC you just you know you just always want to go back I guess Destro just misses it because he certainly doesn't need the cash no and he certainly doesn't need the power I mean the guy he's responsible for these Crytron gambits like he's Krypton, playing everybody <laughs> But yeah, man, I guess, I guess, what would the Cobra world order be without Destro? I tell you, I'm glad he's on board. The guy's kind of done nothing for too long. Yes, yes. Let's see what actually shakes out. So, like I said, there's no real, it's very much still foundation work here in this first part. This is a seven-part story, so we've still got six more to go, which will break down into two, three-issue episodes. But we still don't really know what's happening. All we know is the forces are aligning. All the uh, ex-Cobras are getting together. All of the um, Joes are kind of doing raids on revanche facilities. But we're waiting for CC to make his big move. I love the fact that Baroness packs, like, white bread in her 
pouches. <laughs> Reaches a, into a sort of side pouch and pulls yeah. out these two loaves. And a Cobra oh. branded uh, toaster that, that imprints the Cobra onto the onto the bread. I want that. Yeah, you know. I want that a lot more than I would want a Cobra Commander ducky. <laughs> <laughs> Shannon is having the time of his life. Bless. I yes. love this guy. Yes. We cannot fault the art on this issue at all. No, I know you mentioned, you know, maybe the big boa head visor thing, but uh, overall, he's just knocking it out of the park as always. We won't rate this, but I think we can actually. That prelude, I'm going to, I'm going to signal, uh, single that out, and we're going to rate the, the the prelude as a as a single story because I don't think it ties into this at all. And incidentally, I think that it was uh, Jim Brown who dropped the ball on on uh, on Big Boa's visor. Ah, okay. Looking at it again. Yes. Gallant has indicated the the view slit quite nicely. Right. It's it's the colors that are that are ah. dropping the ball. It's been colorized red on the sort of the cheek of the helmet. Interesting. Uh, whereas the, the 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 red should start above that. Ah, that's it. Okay. So well, catch, I called foul catch. on Shannon, but actually Shannon did a bang up job once again. Okay, you the can't sneak anything past Yeah, you can't sneak anything past uh, Stefanos. But someone's Snuck something past Mr. Harmer. I don't know if you read the the letters pages, but someone said... Is it Sean Collins' one? Yes. Go on. Scriptic from Quebec says, Which sister of Sean Collins has been featured in recent issues, the adoptive or the biological? To which Larry says, I don't believe he has a sister in my continuity. Or, I don't believe he has a sister in my continuity. <laughs> That's my Larry Homer. Pretty poor. Um, anyways, uh, then who was the young lady eating the twiglets on the couch? Oh, yes, at the, the twiglets. Collins residence. Who was that? Yeah. So was that uh, implanted by Shannon as an extra character? Or how had Larry plotted out that page or the characters on that scene? We, we don't know. I'm always willing to believe that Larry's memory is not what it once would be, so anything could be a Larry mistake at this point, I think. Oh, but Chief, you got to go for the no prize, man. you got to tell me why it's not a mistake. So it's not a mistake because it was just a friend of the family. She'd come over. Um, yeah, she was like, hey, you guys got any Twiglets? Yeah. I love Twiglets. Yeah. Uh, my dad was in a band. And he, he like always went to the UK with like two suitcases and came back with three because he just filled it up with twiglets. So I know you guys have some. Nice. Deep cut. Oh, love it. Love it. Yes, there you go. You've no. done it. No prize. It wasn't his sister. It was uh, someone else, friend of the family. That's your no prize, Chief. Mine was just going to be like, well, he doesn't have a biological sister. Wade Collins isn't his biological dad. This is a kind of a... A family just thrown together by Cobra circumstance. Yes, yes. To be a cover family. So mm. th- that is, I, I don't know. I suppose you could call it his adoptive sister. So yes, it would be his adoptive sister. Yeah. But like, it's just a girl. Just a girl. Just a uh, girl. Prelude. Give what are you giving this prelude? Telling her I love you. Um, what am I giving this prelude? Uh, <laughs> six. It's got pre- um, it's got potential. Nice to see some some old faces, but right now it's not giving me anything new that I'm totally enthusiastic about. No, I'm just saying that prelude, that Cobra World Order prelude issue, just that one issue oh, on its own, because I'm issue, saying though. I don't think that, that was just effectively a recap, wasn't it? I don't think that, I wasn't going to include that in the Cobra World Order storyline, because I don't, it just felt, felt so apart. Chief, if I, yeah, I'm going to do some hypotheticals then, if I'm going to rate it, 
What would I think if I went to a comic book store in, was it 2015? Uh, yep. Thereabouts. Go on. Whatever. 2014, Go on. 2015, in that era, excitedly picking up uh, a prelude to a new event in G.I. Joe. And all I got was a recap of what's already happened and who the main players are. I, as a, like a hardcore Joe fan, would be like, this didn't deliver, man. This didn't give me my money's worth. October 2015. Right, so late 2015, as late as that. Yeah, man, uh, it's a 3 out of 10. 3 out of 10. Well, I guess if you'd been away for a long time, then it probably would serve you better to, to know what's gone on in, in the few years you've no, been away. No, bro, give me a cold open. Give me Joe's on an action sequence somewhere, and they uncover something, like, huge. Yeah. And I'm not talking about fucking revenge. I'm saying, like... Cobra's onto something big. Yeah. Make Cobra out to be the threat that we know and hope and wish they could be again. Yeah, because we know, kind of we know Larry can do that. Just think back to that two-issue arc story where they were out at sea with the reintroduction or the introduction of the Black Major. And, um, you know, that was a cold open. They're out at sea. They're just assaulting a boat. And, you know, why? like you said, why couldn't we have something like that to set up this big storyline that would be would be great but yeah if you're going to target new readership make it a jump on point that doesn't need to import like heaps and heaps of continuity instead of catching us up on what has happened start us off off with something fresh that anyone picking up the book for the first time could be like okay cool these are the joes they're on a mission this is the threat it's cobra let's go yes I don't need anything else. I'm going a bit higher than you. I'm thinking I gave, <laughs> last week I gave 216 to 218 a five. I would rather read this prelude issue than those three issues again. So I have to give it uh, a five and a half. Way rolling high. Nothing in a vacuum. So we have done the comic talk. Don't forget, it's three issues for next episode. But that means that we now have to do a toy talk. So it's time for Steve, Steve talks, talks about toys. toys. Ho, ho. Steve talks about G.I. Joe. He talks about all the toys from the comic book and the animated show. Steve talks about toys. Steve talks about toys. Steve talks about toys. Steve talks about toys. And I'm going to munch on this uh, granola bar. Rum, 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 rum. No, you're not. You're going to guess for me, Chief. You're going to guess for me. Oh, yeah. Um, Who could it be? Who hmm. did we finally get a, a golden opportunity to talk about? An opportunity that will most likely not be repeated for the next hundred or so issues. Um, Big Boa? Oh, come on, Chief. Cesspool. You're killing me, buddy. Good guesses. They were all kind of on the tip of my tongue. But those guys kind of stand on their own two feet. No, the toy that I'm... And the Xander. That I'm thinking... Bingo! It's a bingo! <laughs> chiefy, chiefy, chiefy. Xandar. You'd clean forgot this character even existed. Yeah, true. Uh, it's kind of his thing, isn't it? Well, here, I'll, I'll peel back before you start. I'll peel back the curtain even further to show how bad my memory is and how little my knowledge of characters and, and action figures is. When we were talking about Xandar last week, in my head, I'm picturing Zanzibar. incidentally before i took your call for this recording session i was painting in zanzibar's uh mustache because i've got a really paint worn version and uh man it is a magnificent sculpted bit of handlebar that but we're not talking about zanzibar no 
<laughs> we're talking about who are we talking about again, Chief? I, I can't remember. Who is he? Oh, it's right in the staring me in the face. It's on my screen. Codename Xandar. Zartan's brother. Okay, that's how how nondescript this guy is. Like his claim to fame is that he's Zartan's brother. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't say like master of disappearing or no. master of the shadows. It's literally Zartan's brother. Anyway, Xandar is a master of camouflage and covert movement. Hmm? <laughs> that's that's when you wake up at night and have to go for a poo, but you don't want to flush because <laughs> you don't want to wake up your missus. <laughs> so you make sure you get up really early and see to it. No, okay, that's not that's not on the far corner. We've all been there. In other words, he's good at hiding and sneaking up on people. Needless to say, he doesn't sneak up on people to do them any good. <laughs> it's comedy. Xandar is an expert with silent weapons and is capable of remaining motionless for long... <laughs> no movements. Uh, of remaining motionless for long periods of time. Like his brother Zartan, he has the ability to change skin color. Oh, new information. Xandar was the kid who never got noticed. Teachers forgot he was there. And never called on him. Nobody that has ever met him can remember what his voice sounds like. His anonymity was no accident. He worked at it all through his formative years. And after he grew up, he got even better at it. Hmm. Well, Chief, there's your answer right there, man. That's why no one can remember this guy. It's by design. I love that file card. (laughs) And I'm looking at the picture you sent me of him now. And I really like him. I really like that figure. Yeah, I mean, it's in a kind of a Mad Max sense. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how the top half of his outfit works. He's got these blue upper sleeves, but it looks like he's bare chested. So, are they just? What does he do there? Do you just roll him up his arm or something? How do they work? Yeah, no, it's Incredible. a mystery. But but the mystery is true of Zartan as well, because his sleeves or the sort of uh, shoulder armor portions don't really connect to anything in a costume sense. Right, yeah. And and ironically, or not so ironically, that is the shared part. Uh, ah. He shares that, that part with Zartan and even Zorana. They've all got the same biceps. <laughs> Interesting. Biceps and shoulders, baby. Getting that pump. But yeah, yeah, it doesn't attach to anything. The man is topless, save for a pink neckerchief and a blue holster. Yeah. The holster makes a nice bit of sense, and a very nicely sculpted uh, black uh, gripped pistol peeking out of the holster. The pink neckerchief, I can only think, is like some kind of 1980s affectation, because yes. I don't know if gangs would have taken that seriously back in the day, even. But <laughs> I suppose this is a toy. Let him have it. Yeah. But yeah, very much like a, a cast member from Mad Max. They really kind of ramped up that aesthetic in, uh, in Xandor. He's got two earrings. You know, he's got one on both sides. I don't know what that exactly, you know, what does that imply about his preferences? Who knows? Not sure. Uh, But uh, he's got this kind of wicked war paint on in red. Kind of almost Native American. Very cool. An arched eyebrow. So his his face has a lot of expression. He's got orange hair. Yeah. Now, in the comic books, he was portrayed as having pink hair. It's an easy mistake to make because he was introduced with Zorana. Obviously, Zorana's rocking the pink hair, and I think they're twins. Are they? Are they twins? Yeah, I think so. It doesn't say. Brother and sister. If they're not twins, who's the elder? Hmm. Who would? Who would you guess? I say. I say she's the older one. Right. 
Okay. So he's the runt. Yeah. <laughs> he comes with a harpoon gun with a scope, uh, which is a pretty effective weapon for a silent kill, I assume. Uh, you know, there will be no bullet crack, and it's bloody brutal. Once again, very much in the vein of the Dreadnoughts, like found weaponry yep. or repurposed weaponry. Um, and his backpack, which I think they list as a as a grenade holding backpack, it really just has a, a series of bolts for the, the harpoon gun. Yep. So always nice to have some kind of symmetry between accessories, like the one links up with the other, just like Spirit has his kind of arrow cassettes for his you know arrow launching yep, yep. rifle. Yeah, nice touch. He unfortunately suffers from having a lot of gold or kind of metallic brassy parts. Like he's he's got a cool bangle on his left arm and his knee pads are done up in gold. His belt buckle and of his of course the aforesaid earrings, that stuff always disappears. Right. It rubs off very easily. Very very flaky paint job. But intriguingly enough, he's made from the same kind of color change plastic as his siblings so he will go a kind of grayish blue if left out in the sun just like zartan and zorana and just like zartan and zorana if you try and unscrew his back he will not separate you got to get in there with a blade and actually cut his two holes open okay apparently there are ways of like inserting maybe like a needle nose pliers uh, and popping the two halves apart but uh, having done surgery on my zorana I'd say the, you know, if you get a sharp enough blade in there, you can kind of cut through the adhesive or whatever it is that's that's uniting the two halves. Hmm. And that is Zartan. I was about to say Zartan. <laughs> and then I was about to say Zorana. But no, it is Xandar, 1986's most unmemorable character. And that's just the way he likes it. And when did you acquire one of these? <laughs> I got him by virtue of a donation. Thanks to a good old Cody Scalf. Very nice. Uh, who makes play motion videos in the style of G.I. Joburg. He's really picked up the ball and run with it. And when he found out that I was marooned in Australia with no toys, he sent me a mother load of action figures. Really, really, really generous gift. Very and cool. yeah, I got a Xandar with his harpoon gun. And while this is a figure that I would never have gone out of my way to get personally, I can't say that I'm not grateful to have him. Because he is really something unique. And Very cool. not a bad looking figure when all is said and done. The face sculpt, as I say, has a lot of character. I just look at it and I'm like, it's kind of cool. In fact, if I was to cosplay, maybe I'd try Xandor. Oh, we need to see that, people. Come on, let's... Uh, let's... <laughs> I have to wax my chest, bro. This guy's <laughs> looking like a wax model. He's... <laughs> I'm trying to think if I... I definitely didn't have him. I'm trying to think, did Ben have him? Don't know, don't recall. He had it either. Yeah, I think he might have had him, actually. I think he did have him. I think he did. Hmm. But, um, yeah. He has these kind of lightning bolts, tattoos, or war paint on his torso. In the card art, they're really big and bold and, like, lightning strikes. Yeah. But on the toy, it just looks like the Nazi SS. Yeah. Oh, dear. Yeah, unfortunate. <laughs> Nazi alert, yeah. yeah. Very unfortunate. No, good, good. Right, there you go. I mean... You know, I I wasn't ever anticipating us covering him, so I'm kind of glad he popped up in that one panel. <laughs> I'm nothing if not organic, Chief. It's like, it. if I see an opportunity to work in the obscure guys, I'm going to do that. Good, but good. But you've noticed a trend, perhaps. I don't really step very far out of the bounds of the classic series. 
82 to 94. Yep. I suppose the reason for that is the same reason Shannon always goes back to the classics. It's like you can have 70 versions of Snake Eyes, but you can only have one original, you know? Yep. The first time he rocked the goggles and the first time he rocked the visor. So in that same vein, I'm really just looking at the the debuts. Yeah, well, that's yeah. fine. Nothing wrong with that, brother. Nothing wrong with that, bro. If you want to keep uh, knocking out them, that's uh, all good with me. There will be Give more... my China. Now let's talk some colloquialisms, bro. Yeah, man. Yeah, let's do it. It's, oh, I do, I've got to introduce right. it, haven't I? It's time for uh, Commonwealth Colloquialisms, a.k.a. over egg in the pudding. What would we do if Chief didn't say it verbatim every single episode, dear listener? <laughs> I think the world would implode in on itself. Let's right? hope not. Let's, I better keep saying it then. We got a pudding. We got a pudding. We're gonna over egg that pudding. Ain't got no criticisms. We got some Commonwealth colloquialisms. <laughs> what you got? Salvos. Salvos. S like the figure. Yeah, salvos. Oh, you're going down the shop. Give me a six pack of salvos. No. Oh, um, you're going down to salvos. You going down to salvos tonight? Nah, I'm going down to Zandos. Um, <laughs> salvos. Oh, I got a nasty case of salvos in my crotch. No. Salvos. Mate, it's the I Salvation think... Army. Ah, okay, nice. So they're like, if you were to go to their kind of cha- charity shops, that's Salvos. Ah, I like it. So do I. Chief's one is, if I was being jammy, what was I being? Mm, jammy, it sounds like you're being stubborn. Jammy is actually or, or uh, lucky or fortunate. What? Yep. Yeah, you, you people would have to say exist. you jammy bastard if you uh, <laughs> you know you you'd had a bet on someone uh, a, a team to win and they scored a goal in like the 90th minute ah oh, you jammy bastard so yeah lucky news to me chief nice. what is a rock spider a if you'd rock... call someone a rock spider in South Africa what would you be calling them a rock spider I'm gonna say it's not a good thing no I suppose well, yeah it, it yeah it's it's a bit derogatory. You rock spider, you're clinging on to something. So someone who kind of a uh, third wheel at a party. Well, here's the the kind of the the reverse of the derogatory term. Like if someone was to call if a, if a South African was to call me uh, a redneck, right? Um, okay, well, or they could call me. Ah, oh, this is getting 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 uh, in the getting ni- deep in the into nitty-gritty. the lingo, but a soot peel. Soot peel. I like that. Soot peel. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Let me put you out of your misery. <laughs> Please. So a rock spider would be a derogatory term for a South African of Dutch or Afrikaner descent. Okay. Yes. And a redneck or roynek would be someone of British descent. I think it goes back to the, the, the Boer War or the South African War, the Anglo-Boer War. So redneck aligned with redcoats? Kind of, but more in the case of like, you limey bastards never see the sun. So of course you're going to have rednecks. Right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, all these, all these troops getting off the boat from uh, wherever they were dispatched from in, the, in, in Great Britain. Yeah. Suddenly arriving in the hot African sun and they all had sunburn on their necks by the next day. Yeah. Um, and and soot peel means like soot is... Uh, salt and yes. peel is your dick 
Okay. It basically means that you've got a foot in England and a foot in Africa, yes. so your dick is in the ocean. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so funny, yeah. funny, funny. Um, more colloquialisms later. Uh, not even like well later being next week um but right now we need to close the show out with we asked you a question the wonderful people on all the places out there and you gave us some answers which we're going to now talk about because we asked you a question code names chief yeah you really surprised me with this one i was pleasantly surprised and and very interested to know uh, where you were going with it. Well, I was just <laughs> interested to know if assigning characters code names was just kind of random or how close did the code name need to be to the specialty of the character? And, you know, was there anything in file cards that either was contravened or, or kind of um, gone against type in the cartoons or comics or, or you know, discrepancy, so to speak? Just interested. On that last point, good old Phil Rottenberger, he's got a, a great response about Scrap Iron not really living up to his Destro affiliation from the file card. Yeah. You know, that he worked as a product designer for Destro and 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 it made sense that he would be in the employ of Mars because, you know, he's an anti-armor specialist. He would be working to develop the best anti-tank weapons uh, money can't buy or can buy, I don't know, depending on whether you meet Destro's high price. But it was never really played out or teased out in the comic book series or the, the, the animation, to be honest. Yeah. Though uh, I will say that Scrap Iron did side with Destro in Arise, Serpento or Arise, so that might have been a taste of it. Oh, uh, okay. But yeah, it, if Hasbro was really savvy about who they had on their roster, Scrap Iron would see re-release as an Iron Grenadier. Yeah. Like, that would have been the coolest turn of all and a great opportunity to reintroduce an obscure character from the past but one that certainly has a following instead they gave us metalhead a new character but more or less the same function as scrap iron yeah yeah true yeah true i'll tell you what i did like from mike uh, he was talking about jinx because you know jinx is oh don't jinx it or give us bad luck jinx is kind of associated with bad luck so it seems strange that a character would be attributed that code name to say i'll stay away from her she's bad luck but uh mike goes on to mention you know all the people that she's kind of helped she helped billy um she was incredibly <laughs> what happened to billy family. billy's dead oh, now billy is dead yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, she was kind of helping Pale Peony, I guess, but Pale Peony's dead, actually. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Pale Peony's dead. She helped Snake Eyes. Snake Eyes is dead. Oh, yeah. Mm, yeah, you're right. Maybe it is here. apt. Yeah, we take it back, Mike. Um, it, is a, it is an apt code name. Well, I fear Mike is not a fan of the movie then, because they really play that note pretty hard. Right. Yeah. I can't remember. The next guy who tells me I'm bad luck is going to get a knuckle massage. Ah, okay. There you go. They're trying to start the damn Tomahawk helicopter. Right. And it's like, it's been pulled for repairs. We've got a buggy uh, ignition or starter motor. Because <laughs> Chuckles winds up, like, jump-starting it by pushing the rotors manually. Oh, man. Okay. Chief, we've got to do it, brother. We are doing it. We Anyways, are doing it. We are, we are doing, doing it. it. Um, <laughs> but, of course, but, of course, what, you know, when these file cards were written, it may have well been written that the character was this kind of bad luck charm, so to speak, but it just never played out in the comics. It just never went that way. So it'd be interesting to know when, the, at the time of writing the file cards, how much 
had the characters been in other media? Oh, it definitely happened before. Like, I think the file cards were, were penned and the packaging was designed and the toys were en route before any other media appearances. Yeah, so I wonder if there was a was it was a, a line of character development or character traits that was originally planned and then when Larry got his hands on them for the comic, so to speak, he decided I'm not gonna go down that line, I'll go I'll do this instead with the character. So maybe that's where discrepancies come out. But I think that's kind of foolish. The media that reaches the most number of people, I think is actually the file cards. Uh, some would say the cartoon, but you know, the toys were everywhere. Right. In the heyday, G.I. Joe was huge. Huge, huge, huge. We all had them. And the file cards were our primary primary source, our primary evidence yep. on who these toys were. Like, we hung on every word. Oh, I certainly did. I have met people that didn't. And I find that strange. It's like, but you got this, this awesome information with your toy. Yeah. And you didn't hang on every detail? Oh, man. Yeah, it was all there in front this of you. This stuff breathed life into this... It imbued the plastic in your hand with the character that it was like not just a piece of plastic held together by a rubber band and some screws, but it was a grizzled warrior with a history and three dimensions. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Maybe some kids just didn't like reading. Um <laughs> I guess so, oh, man. I come off pretentious once again. There's a couple more. Then I'm going to do a couple that I've not actually heard of before. So Magnus talks about the Saw Viper and his card lists him as a semi-automatic weapon specialist. But clearly that, that thing that he holds is uh, pretty much, you know, a full a full death machine, I think. I think somebody writing that file card flubbed the, the abbreviation SAW. Right. You know, it should be squad automatic weapon. It's a role in a fire team. The guy with the pig, with the hog, yep. with the M60 or, you know, so, the guy who lays down the suppressive fire while the rest of the guys get into position yes. and take the shot. Yep. The guy who draws fire. He's your squad automatic weapons guy. That's my understanding of it. Yep. Yep. But uh, unfortunately, whoever was writing the file card wasn't up on their gun porn or gun foo or whatever we want to call it. <laughs> And they call it they call him a semi automatic weapons yeah. guy. Okay. Terrible. Stupid. Peter says that Sergeant Slaughter never killed anyone. Or no, Pete never saw Sergeant Slaughter kill anyone. So interesting to know why he was called Sergeant Slaughter, but that is obviously because of the uh wrestler name who came before him. But maybe he wants to go back to the introduction of that character in wrestling and say, Why did you get the name Sergeant Slaughter as a wrestler? Hmm. Right on. Um Pete to that, I'm just going to reiterate something I said on Facebook. Uh, you really should check out the cartoon series. If you're not au fait with it, there are... It's an acquired taste. And, and once you go down that, that, that path and kind of get into the flow of things, it's it could be kind of fun. A nice way to kind of re-envision G.I. Joe. And if you do get as far as watching Arise, Serpentor Arise Part 1... You'll see Sergeant Slaughter slaughter a whole bunch of battle android troopers. Like the Joes are literally on the ropes. They're about to get wiped out completely and overwhelmed by bats. Slaughter jumps out of his triple T and just mashes them with nothing but his fists and the uh, included baton accessory that it came with. Nice. So if, if the analogy of kill extends as far as androids, yeah, he, he did some slaughterizing that day. Very cool. Very cool. 
Um, there are a couple of characters that I have never heard of. So Bart mentions Ice Cream Soldier. <laughs> I don't know what that is. <laughs> because Bart sent me a meal ready to eat, an MRE, sort of a, a field ration. Right. Which he then jokingly added a Ice Cream Soldier into the mix. Chief, this was actually a flame trooper released okay. in the year, the late, late year of 1994. Right. He's clad in bright neon orange with yellow accents. And he's something else, man. <laughs> but he's called Ice Cream Soldier literally just to be a non secretor. You know, it says as much in the file card, like... Cobras find out that Ice Cream Soldier is coming to the battlefield. They laugh. They're like, huh, we're not going to take this guy seriously. And then he lights up his flamethrower. It's that kind of gag. Right. Wow, look That's at him. Stupid. <laughs> but uh, people who deride Ice Cream Soldier, I'll say to them, hey, man, he rocked bright orange to the battlefield. Barbecue rocked bright red. Yeah. Like Annihilator? There's Annihilator, yeah, the orange, of course. Yeah. Never liked that guy. Gross. Okay, and another one I've never heard of, uh, Colonel Courage. Mark mentioned him, Mark Seddon. Perhaps we should actually read out what Mark had to say, because I don't think I can put it better. Okay, Colonel Courage sounds like a Captain America-style superhero, but is actually the G.I. Joe admin guy whose primary military specialty is looking neat in his tie, WTF. And maybe to support that point, I shall read the file card. Oh, stand right back. Oh, yeah. Bonus. Bonus toy tool. <laughs> I'll never surrender when wearing a tie. Because I can't be beat when I'm neat. <laughs> kind of fits the rhyme scheme of beating your meat. But, oh, man. Gross. Yeah, dude. That's all we need to actually read, in fact. This guy looks, this guy looks quite cool. Apart from the neon green gun. I quite like that design. He's neon green all over, isn't he? He's got a sculpted tie. Yeah. Craziness. Chief, I'm going to enter one into the mix. Yes, please. Just the first one that came to mind. I've got one as well. Ooh, I wonder if it's the same one. Okay. Dun, 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 dun. Flash! Ah! Uh, I mean... Flash, yeah. You're going to name a, a G.I. Joe Flash. Everyone's going to think either Flash Gordon... Or The Flash. Correct, yes. They're not going to thank a laser trooper. No. Has G.I. Joe successfully taken ownership of that name? Well, enough people like Flash. But still, like, was that the best they could have done? Hmm. Mm. You had strong competition, is what I'm trying to say. My one is uh, of characters that I don't think suit their code name. And my one is Lady J. Where does the J come from? Right. I don't, I don't understand. You've stumped you've stumped the panel. Where does the J come from? She had an alternate codename of Lady Shay. Right. S-H-A-E. Is that Gaelic at all? S-H-A. Uh, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. But Lady J. You know what? I'm going to see Makes what no the first sense. hit on Google is. If Makes it's not no a G.I. Joe, then maybe we'll be onto something. Because it doesn't really, doesn't really tie in with what her specialties are or even flint flint is another one what what does what does that mean in terms of his character well i think that is an example of an effective code name because it didn't really have any real significance until it became the code name of gi joe so it's the opposite of my example with flash 
which already had notoriety long before yeah. G.I. Joe took it. Lady J and Flint, the first thing that you're going to get when you type Lady J into Google are some interesting nudes, actually. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, <laughs> God bless DeviantArt. Um, it's Lady J, fictional right. character from the G.I. Joe universe. Bam. There you go. So there is there is wisdom in creating something perhaps a little bit arbitrary. It's because you're going to get that domain all to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 30 years later when the internet is a thing. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Good examples, Chief. Yeah, thank nice. you. I actually contributed to this segment for once. Woohoo! Um... <laughs> There'll be more questions next week. Actually, no, next week we have got, yeah, there will be questions. We've got a special guest coming into the studio. So you can ask your questions to our guests. But that will be exciting, definitely for me and hopefully for uh, S-Jubs as well. Always. And that's it. Yeah, you, you can catch us in all the usual places. That's uh, Talking underscore Joe on Twitter, Talking Joe Comics on Instagram, Talking Joe Comics at gmail.com and Talking Joe, a G.I. Joe podcast on Facebook book thanks to everyone who gave us suggestions for this week's question apologies it was such short notice uh, like 24 hours but uh, that we, we this is the only day we were able to record ahead of next week's show but it will mean nothing to you when you're listening to this because you'll be listening to it at the normal time thanks to the miracle <laughs> of time and how it works but uh, you can find my daily art posts i'm putting up on chiefy two shoes on Instagram and Twitter, and then find all the good stuff over on GI Joe Berg for all the all the fantastic videos and everything that uh, goes onto that channel. Where you can also find Chief's Toy Box Part Four. That'll be the end of season one, and then we've got season two planned, where we're going into guest homes, and we've already got guest number one and possibly guest number two lined up. So stay tuned for more of those toy boxes. Chief will be knocking on your door, dear listener. <laughs> Watch out with his mask on. Get some toys ready. <laughs> but uh, with all that said and done, we'll catch you down the road. We've been talking Joe. And we're all out of Joe. Yo, Yo Joe! Joe! Especially Xandor. <laughs>